0: We are back in the Football Shed, the podcast of football <laughs> fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff Digg is here.
1: Good day, everybody.
0: And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Hi Rog. Hello. <laughs> We're everyone's in a very happy, giggly mood. Is that because the football was so good this weekend?
1: Best weekend of Premier League football ever. Ever.
0: Who needs fans? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Look, in honesty, like when you, if you, if, if, I was going to say if you shut your eyes, but you can't watch football if you shut your eyes, but you know, you can hear it on the telly. You can, they put that fake fan, fan noise on, and you weren't at the yeah. games anyway. You're not there, John. You're not in Manchester. You're not actually going. You don't have a season ticket. Your club has more money than anyone else. You don't really give a shit. It's going to be
2: great. You're watching <laughs> football i wonder what the split is between the people that watch it with the fake crowd noise and without because i must admit i am a hundred percent like on board with the fake crowd (laughs) voice like ignorance feels a bit more normal just forget about it yeah forget
1: enjoy
0: football and then when you do ever so often have it turned off, you just get someone shouting, "Oi, oi, fucking move, would you? Oi, yeah. oi!" I don't want to listen to that.
2: No, <laughs> no.
1: They, should, they should pump it into the stadium, and just everyone can just forget.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeff, did you bring a uh, drink with you for this evening? Uh, I didn't. I panicked. This? I really panicked
1: because I'd, I'd run out of beer. But then um, this, someone left a bottle of wine in my house, so there we go. Ooh. Ben, wow! Well, that's good. Way better than last week's gravy wine. I got to tell you, I had a headache. I had a headache. <laughs> <first> My <time. laughs> uh,
2: well, about that that is you, you kind of sound a bit surprised. i like, you drank several month old red wine. <laughs> yeah, well, it's guaranteed to give you a headache. I took a preventative Panadol. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what was, that was the world I was living in oh <laughs> uh,
0: dear uh roger did you bring anything with you
2: uh yeah just a um i've got a stomping ground pale ale which has made its way to regional victoria wow
0: didn't know they made it all the way out there um i've uh i've got the next couple of days off work which is very exciting um so i thought i could go wild tonight and uh bring a special drink just to go you know i'm gonna Ooh. have a few wines whilst uh talking football so i bought some uh Howdy $5 (laughs) Uh, wine.
2: You had me going there for a minute. I thought there was going to be maybe a Negroni or, you know, something a bit fancy. No. I
0: did genuinely think about making a Negroni, but we've got no Campari in the house. So uh, maybe I'll do that next week. First world problems, John. I know. How do I cope without my Campari? (laughs) Um, Every week we start with a question, which Jeff's going to do this week. But before Jeff does the question, I'm just going to do the admin. Um, If you want to get in contact Ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something. You can find us on Facebook, just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a a review and, of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk nonsense about football. Jeff, over to you. What's your uh, exciting question of the week?
1: Well, as you know, um, uh, Omie Edson Hung Min uh, (laughs) scored four (laughs) goals this week. No, you're not yes. paying that. Not paying that on me, Edson.
2: <laughs> <from me? laughs> no, quite no, weird.
1: no. Oh, we just trademark that one. Scored four goals this week. Now, I thoroughly enjoyed his four finishes and we're going we're gonna to get into that when we talk about the game. But it made me think about other players that have scored four goals. And yep. it, what will be interesting is uh, after this, I'll ask you the first player that comes to mind that fought, scores four goals because it's really kind of deep down in your subconscious. But there have been 28 players who have scored four goals in a Premier Arshavin. League game since the Premier League started. Now, we're going to do... I don't, I'm not going to list all 28 because that's boring for everyone, so I'm going to make this a competition, right? Okay. So, Rog, you go first. Arshavin. <laughs> Andre Arshavin. Correct. Against Liverpool. What a game that was.
0: Um, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer.
1: Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Correct. Against Nottingham Forest, you scored eight In that game, John. They were the days. Yeah, he
0: scored four in 19 minutes. Roger. Uh, Shearer
2: must have scored four at some point.
1: Alan Shearer, 8-0 against Sheffield Wednesday, September
0: 1999. Robbie Fowler.
2: Robbie Fowler,
1: John. Robbie Fowler. Oh, interesting. Yes, Liverpool, 5-2 against Bolton, 1995. Um, Who else scored four? Yeah, that's the game, Rog.
2: (laughs) Did Berbatov get four? Hmm.
1: Dimitar Berbatov. Correct. 6-4 against Reading, December 2007. And 7-1 against Blackburn. So he's done it twice.
0: Uh, Andy Cole.
1: Andy Cole. You, uh, before even checking my list, John, you're definitely right because he got five, didn't he? Scored five against Ipswich.
0: Roger's just having a swig of beer just as it's uh, his moment to choose one.
1: Um, Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe. Ooh, Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe? No. Yes, Jermaine Raj. Defoe. Correct. 9-1 against oh. Wigget. Scored five. Oh, that that took so long. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Sorry. We've
1: got to hurry up.
0: Um, Gigi Wijnaldum.
1: Really, John? If you just you're just trying to yeah. Oh
2: yeah, he did 6 2 against real. Norwich. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Ronaldo.
1: No, Ronaldo. No, no, he never did. Are you talking Fat no. Ronaldo or Cristiano, Cristiano. Ronaldo?
2: <laughs> fat Aiden
0: Ronaldo Aiden, Aiden never Aiden played
1: Aiden. in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So who was so the bro, first bro. one in you was Arshavin for you, Rog, right? Because of that that incredible game, that Arsenal four no, four. John, what was the first one for you? Ollie?
0: Oli, because he scored yeah, he scored four in 19 minutes um, when he came on as a sub. Do you know the first
1: go- the first player that came to my mind, which is the reason why I started looking it up, was Mark Viduka.
2: Oh, oh yes. Do yes, you remember yes. Mark
1: Viduka against Liverpool in that 4-3? That was just yes. an absolute yes. corker. And two of his goals were exactly the same and beautiful, off the right, essentially off the right wing where he came cutting inside, which for him, what was he even doing out there? Amazing game. Mm-hmm. It's funny to think that there have only been 28 players who've done it.
0: Yeah, it's not many, is it?
2: Mm. Um, a lot. Of I goals.
0: just kind of they... want to talk. I want to talk about old football players now that score <laughs> four goals. But I feel like we should uh, <laughs> get into some football. Um, I've divided the teams up a little bit this week by teams that have won two out of two and teams that have lost two out of two. So we're going to go through them in that order. Now, the team that is top of my list that won two out of two is Liverpool. Beat Chelsea. Um, they won two 0 um, everyone was building this up as maybe as Chelsea's chance to show that they're in with a chance for the title. Maybe they've spent 200 million and now they're going to be really good. It didn't quite come off for of them, but mainly due to Christiansen's rugby tackle.
1: Terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible challenge. It was just terrible. And <laughs> sorry, Christiansen. He could
0: have done anything else. That
1: was terrible because of all the things, right? So. Okay, I get it. It's a professional foul, and he's the last man. I understand all of these things, but and he obviously has no faith in Kepa. Kepa's even come off his line. He's right there, and still Christensen's like, whoa, I'm still going to take, take this bloke down. But even if you take him down, at least like clip his ankles or, or do something where you can put your hands up and go, oh, it was 50 50. At least claim it. The bloke just jumped on him. It was horrendous.
2: I don't think he could have, though, just because of the ball being kind of in the air, you know, it bounced up. And so if he would have gone low with the slide tackle, it probably would have looked equally as bad because you would have just like scythed <laughs> him down when the ball was oh. a- about waist height. But my favorite bit about it is you can see him in the footage think about it for a minute. Like you, could, you can see him, there's a fraction of a second where he contemplates what do I do? Am I going to let him go? Because it looks like he's going to get there first. Or what do I do? Oh, what do I do? I'm just going to, like, maul him. I'm going to jump (laughs) on his back. (laughs) And it's so I'm like, oh, no, you haven't made the right choice there. It just looks, you just can see it in his face. I loved it. And then he just literally rugby tackled him.
1: At least he owned it. You know, we've had long conversations about, look, if you're going to do it, do it. And at least he did it. (laughs)
0: It just went in for it. Um, it went to VAR, so it was originally given as a yellow card and then changed to a red card. We will talk about VAR, um, much to popular approval on Facebook, um, of even though I w- didn't want to. Um, but we will a bit later. But I wanted to bring up the fact that after the VAR, um, the Liverpool bench all cheered when he was sent off. And Klopp turned around and berated the whole bench and was just like, no, nah, we don't cheer someone getting sent off. We don't do that. That's not cool. And I just thought that Liverpool, yes, they're champions and they were champions of Europe recently, but they're you can win with a bit of class and you can win well. And I think Klopp just showed a bit of class in doing that and was. it's just rare to see in the Premier League. And I really liked it. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's... Um... I was fully expecting you to bring up this game, John, and say, you know, Chelsea summer signings haven't paid off. Shit at the back. Liverpool are great, but actually, when you watch this game, it it's one of those. It's like the West Ham Newcastle game that we discussed last week. It's one of those that really could have gone either way. I, I think decisions, mm. even with the Christiansen sending off, I'm not saying that you know if he was on the park, Chelsea were, were the better side, but you know the the penalty save in the second half. Plus Kepper's mistake, uh, you know, it's a one-all game of football. When you were yep. any other day, it's a one-all game of football, and that is even with ten men. So I do think Chelsea did put in a really good account of themselves. But we did see this a lot with Liverpool last year. Teams did put in a good account of themselves, and they still lost. I think that's yep. what you know, Liverpool won by one goal. I think a record amount of times last year, and, and yeah, this is another example of that. When you win. And you're not necessarily... I'm not going to say they weren't the better side. They were the better side. But they certainly weren't headline dominant. Yeah.
2: but Oh, you go,
0: John. I was just going to say that um, talking of Chelsea, I just thought Timo Werner actually did a, put up a really good performance and put a really good account of himself. He maybe go, oh, hang on a sec, they've got a player here who could really trouble a lot of defences in the Premier
2: League. I, I think a big thing for them as well on that point is... So I think they they started him sort of inside left um, you know because they saw that maybe there's some space there between Alexander-Arnold and um, Fabinho filling in at, at center back. So I think Who that was, was amazing. A, it was amazing, yeah. Well, I think that was a conscious choice, but I also think towards the end of last year, Pulisic was really starting to come into his stride. And I think he is going to be a real player at Chelsea. So I mm. think all of a sudden, when you've got Pulisic and Werner playing together, I think that is going to cause a lot of team prob- lot of teams' problems. But I, I still think there was an element of this I think Liverpool were in control of this game, even at, I, you know, I agree. I don't think they were dominant, but I think, they, to me, they were clearly the better team. And I think, you know how we talked about last week, do we underestimate Salah? So Mm. last week it it was Salah. And I think this is, to me, why Liverpool was still, you know, well, Liverpool and Man City are still clearly the two best teams. But I think, to me, Liverpool was still the team to beat. Part of that is, you know, last week it was Salah. This week it was Mane. But it's the front three. You know, they play, they are so much better as a three than they are individually. And they're very good individually. But they all, you know, they were all involved in the first goal. Um, uh, you know, great pass by Salah, Firmino. You know, got to the byline, cut it back, Mane with the with the header. You know, Mane's press for the second goal. Yes, it was a mistake by Kepa, but I think the hunger and the press. He made that goal. Mane, he made it. I don't. I've seen a lot worse. He made Kepa's error look really, hmm. really bad. It was. It was pretty bad. But I, th- I don't think it was as bad as it was made to look. But I, I just think that the, you know, you, Chelsea have now got a lot of attacking riches, but they will take some time to bed in. What Liverpool have got in those front three are two, are th- you know, three exceptional players that have been playing together now for a long period of time, and that does, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, and I just, I think you can't underestimate that
1: can I, can i say that so i think you probably touched it with with kepper's error the thing that really worries me and i don't want to you know i'm not breaking new ground here saying kepper's crap like that that just is what it is but the <laughs> thing Lampard that worries me is yeah kepper didn't make an didn't make an error he didn't he didn't like scuff it or kick the ground he made a poor decision yeah and there's yeah. there's a big there's a big difference you know he engaged his brain and chose that ball and played the ball that he chose and it was intercepted. That is very different than trying to punt it out to row zero and kicking the ground or kicking the turf or having it bobble. You know, there's an error and there's a poor decision. And that was an incredibly poor decision.
2: But talking the trouble of, is he um, makes both at the moment. He makes errors and poor decisions. Haven't they oh. just signed another goalkeeper as well to put him out of his yeah, misery? Yeah,
0: Mendy's men are becoming... <laughs> put
2: out of um... his misery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but talking <laughs> of goalies, um, Alisson saved Jorginho's penalty... Um, which Jorginho's never missed a penalty for Chelsea. Um, But I don't know if you noticed, going back to listening with the crowd or without the crowd, if you listen without the crowd, just as Jorginho does his little skip to shoot, Alisson claps his hands really fucking loudly. Like he just brings both his hands together. And if you listen to it, he just goes, bang. And it must have put him off. And he must have been aware of kind of going, it's pretty quiet round. Everyone's silent. I'm just going to do something to distracting. Can you do that? Skicky. Can you
2: shout? Can you scream as a goalkeeper? I
1: don't
0: know. See, I, there's a crowd.
1: I've actually got an opinion about this penalty. And it's, it's um I think that the new rules of staying on the line. So obviously we saw it in the Manchester United game where the penalty was retaken because he was literally, you know, half a like Nat's whisker off the line. The fact that goalkeepers have to stay on the line until the ball is struck means that all of the advantage that Jorginho had by his penalty technique, is taken away. So when Jorginho does his run-up, his, his run-up, his, run his jump and his stall, what he's doing is he, he's not looking at the ball. He's staring at the goalkeeper, waiting to see whether they make a decision. Now, the fact that keepers can't move until the ball's struck means that Jorginho will not be able to judge a decision. He's going to have – and actually, his penalty was pretty tame. And if you look back to Jorginho's penalties, and I'm sure we'll have Chelsea fans who, who listen to this who, who might disagree, but from my memory of Jorginho's penalties, he sends the keeper the wrong way, and he, but he doesn't do what Jamie Vardy does. He doesn't put it in the side netting as quickly as possible. No. He just slots at home like he's cool as a cucumber. And that's because he's he's done the keeper. You know, He sent sent them the wrong way, and he's, he's – Perfectly disguised what he's about to do, but the fact that goalkeepers have to stay put means that he doesn't have that advantage anymore. And if I was him,
2: I'd be worried about that.
0: Let's move on. I don't
2: like, don't like the skip, no, I don't like
0: the skip. Well, let's go to another team that has a penalty play, player that does a skip, which is uh Fernandez for Man United. Um, and Man United lost to Crystal Palace, so Crystal Palace have won two out of two, um, and look quite good. Are Crystal Palace good now? A Crystal Palace gonna? No, Get it's the same as last
2: year. They did this last... We, we all were writing them off last year and saying they're shit and they're, it's exactly the same team. Like we were talking <laughs> off air, they really haven't... They've got Bashui back on loan who was there last year and they've signed <laughs> uh, Ezra from the championship. But that is essentially it. And I just think... I mean, I... Much as I think Roy is a bit miserable and the way he sets his teams up is a bit... A bit grim. I think he's shown us over a long period of time now that he's a very good coach, he's a very astute manager, and, and you know, getting the best out. Seventy-four years of, old. He's of so old. He's so old. When you hear so him
1: talk, old. you look at him. He's so slow and old. He's like a turtle. But he's their just team so is not old. great.
2: You know, I think he's he's uh, he's doing a, a great job there, and and I just look at it. You, you know, already they're on six points. You know, which is. <laughs> They're only trying. They're only trying to get to forty. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know we joke about it, but if they win if they win their next game, they're essentially a fourth of the way to their target already. So it is, you know, and that is all they're aiming for. Um, Would that excite Mr. Palace fan? I don't know.
0: But they play football that's probably perfect for this scenario because it's very efficient. It's not about. Being super fit or super brilliant or skillful is about being organized and in the right place at the right time. So, everyone's had a weird start to the season, everyone's had a strange kind of getting ready, signing players, or whatever. They've got exactly the same team, they play exactly the same way they have for the last three years. Just do what you're doing. Whilst everyone else is being chaotic and sussing it out, they're kind of ahead of the game, they're ready for teams that don't know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I think. um... For all of the like plaudits we can, we can land on Crystal Palace, I think Lindelof probably. You know, we're talking the,
0: about Palace, talking
1: the, Palace. The, the key to the city. Okay, well, whilst, we talk about, whilst we talk about Palace before I go on to, <laughs> to slog in Man United's defence, I, I think it's weird that you're allowed to change penalty taker if you have to retake the penalty. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that that's a rule that I I, I disapprove of? Whether that makes any difference me or not, I just think that's odd. Because if, if you have to retake it, that someone's shot for confidence, someone else can step in. It's just strange, strange behaviour. That I agree? Okay, yeah, totally. Lindelof, what the fuck <laughs> is he? Any good? Because I don't get it. There was the, there was a point in the, in a Europa League match last year. You remember when Fernandez was going off at him? and hmm. uh do, do you remember this he was going off at him on the yeah. pitch because he basically just fucked up and let go in yeah. and I remember there was lots of talk about oh isn't it great to have Fernandez he's so fiery and then some people are like oh but you know how can he talk to his teammates like that actually maybe he was just right maybe he just turned around and watched <laughs> what he did little off <laughs> was crap and he was he's <laughs> just going what are you doing I've only just met you but that was terrible maybe he just he just saw it before we did well maybe you've seen it before John but yeah. I'm yeah, really shocked.
0: I- I think Lindelof's not brilliant. I'm not going to say defend him and go, oh, he's the best defender in the league or anything. I think he's a fine Premier League defender. I don't think he's world-class or anything. I think the over... I'd call it overreaction to the Man United loss um, because we lost the first game of the season. We've only had a week together training. Um, There's been a lot of going-ons with... um, in the transfer window that's not actually come together yet or actually happened. So I think it was one of those games where it just didn't all go right. They won scrappily last night against Luton in the EFL Cup and you can tell they're a team that aren't quite ready yet. They're not quite fit. Um, Maguire has had his whole off-the-field incidents in Greece and stuff. So I think the defence is a bit all over the place. I also don't think Ollie's decided on the goalie yet. Um, and I, after seeing Henderson last night, yeah. And his save last night was really good. Um, and I think it might help the defense to just go clean slate Henderson's in goal. And this is what we're doing from now. So I think there's a bit of muddled thinking, but I'd rather there's muddled thinking for the next two or three weeks and we get it sorted out and then we're good to go. Um, on the penalty thing, completely understand it's the rule you have to retake it because he was off the line. Fine. The goal that they score from the penalty, and yes, I don't like this changing a player, he did exactly the same thing there. He didn't learn. He was off the line again. So why is it not retaken when they score? But only
1: you got to, That decision is cut and dry. That is like, and don't jump on me. No, it's, it's, I the no, no the you're,
2: you're wrong because what I'm going to say is it's only the rule is, it is only retaken if they believe that that has had an effect on the end result so if the guy if he's off his line but the penalty goes in it's never going to be retaken because it hasn't had a material outcome on the (laughs) end result
1: now do you know that De Gea could be sent off right so let's say he saved that penalty he'd get a yellow card for that for a a second offence. if he did it three times he'd get a straight red he'd get a red so you, I,
0: did
1: he get booked for it? No, no, no. The first time they let you off. If you do it a second time, you get a yellow. A third time, you get a red.
2: I see. Yeah, wow. I, I'm not a fan of it. So I, I so they've. T- the, w- this is one of those VAR decisions, like offside, where they've taken out any um, shades. You know, the it's just yeah. It, yeah, it's either um, over the over the line or it's not.
0: Just to pause you for one second, Roger. We're, yeah. we're going to have our VAR talk now. So Paul and Chris on
2: Facebook. <laughs> I said, does okay. anyone
0: want to talk about anything tonight? Should we talk about anything? And they said, talk about VAR. Even though I was like, I don't want to talk about VAR. So I Paul do
2: want Chris, to come back about... to some Man United things as well, John. I've got some yeah, questions, we can, But some let's have our VAR United, But just, just I suppose my quick one on this VAR instant. It's not again. It's not VAR for me it's the and I think a lot of the um, gripes that have come up this week are not about VAR again VAR is the tool they're about the rules and how we're applying the rules but that is not VAR they're just being picked up via VAR and this is a prime example of that so as I said you can't argue with it if the goalkeeper's over the line when the ball's struck and it has a it, you know the guy if the If the penalty misses the goal, Mm. then again, it wouldn't be retaken, we should say. So if it's a complete miss, it has to be a save. But I just think if you are trying to make a save as a a keeper, particularly from a penalty or a dead ball situation, your natural movement to dive has a bit of forward in it. It's very hard Mm. to just stand... In one you spot and then dive sideways with no forward, because you and need then you, to. Then you just stand slightly behind the line. Well, I wonder if it's actually going to lead to a change in how goalkeepers yeah. approach, because I think that's the only way that they'll that they'll be able to do it. And I, I just think, I suppose, what am I saying? I, I think it's one where there needs. I don't think it is a. um you can't try it is a cut and dry i think that you do you you get a, you see it when you see a penalty that's encroached you go all oh, that hold on that that's yeah. not right he's halfway to the penalty spot but i think when it's a toenail you know i just don't i just don't <laughs> want to see the game changed for something that that small in which in reality has had no bearing on the outcome
1: so,
0: and then okay, on, in this Go on,
1: oh, Jeff. A of, I'll just whiz through them because I, I don't I don't want John I'm like I don't want to go too much into VAR but the actual award of the penalty I think was bullshit that handball from no, like it had less than a meter to travel I, and the, no one appealed No one appealed I think
0: that's yeah it, that's a big it, thing I think
1: it is a big thing and that I still think they haven't fixed. However, the, there was a, a non-penalty in the West Ham game that hit a part of their arm that was considered not their arm, the same distance as the Man United penalty was given, and that was not given because it's they've now defined the part of their arm. But I do think this week there have been two VAR overturned decisions that have proved a success. So... The goal, Dominic Calvert Lewin's back heel, if you can mm-hmm. complement it by calling it a back heel in, in the Everton game, where the, <laughs> the ball came off the back of the defender for the back of the West Brom defender. So um, Richarlison went up for the header, it missed Richarlison, went off the back of the head of the defender, which meant Calvert Lewin wasn't offside. Obviously, in any other season, that's offside and that's not a goal. Mm. because it's so hard to see what happened it was in the linesman put his line up that's not a goal no goal but VAR correctly overturned that decision we've already spoken about the rugby tackle in the Chelsea game referee said yellow card referee wasn't in a good line of sight and said yellow card he couldn't work out he knew there was a foul but he wasn't sure what was going on yellow card Actually, VAR saw that it was a complete rugby tackle. So if we're going to talk about the things that don't work about VAR, literally this week, VAR made decisions that the human eye could not have made and they were the correct decisions. Now, we can't say the VAR is great, but those two things prove that it is moving in a direction that we didn't see last year.
0: And we, so the penalty for, against Man United, um, and then also Doherty had a penalty uh, given against the Infos, um, which was like bounced up into his arm. But again, that's actually like to your point, Rog, earlier. Both of those decisions are not VAR, they're rule decisions. So there's yeah. the VAR incidents are improving, but the laws are still nonsensical. In terms and, of and
2: I get so frustrated because there's the, all the coverage, you know, and there's all these ex pros come, you know, that come out and are banging on about VAR. Now, don't, you know, we know that I'm not a massive fan of the technology. And, mm. um, you know, I can understand why people have gripes, but at least get it right. Like it's not, you're not griping about the technology. You're you're griping about the rules, rules. how you're applying it, the rules, which in, and I, the handball one worries me because we, there were quite a few instances last year of, of, um, you know, of handball being applied wrong, in my opinion, Mm. or, or, or in a way that doesn't make sense. And there's already been a few, this year with that and this but again I think what we will see with that is that is how it's been applied in a lot of Europe so in Serie A last season I don't remember me talking about towards the end of last year but the amount of penalties was just insane like there were there you know I can't remember what it was but 10 times more penalties than there's ever been or something and a huge number of them were from this handball rule so, and we know that the Premier League this year has tried to come more into line with what's happening in European football. So, I kind of think it's just going to be the way of it. I don't like it. That To me, the Doherty one, again, it's this thing of, you know, what's an unnatural angle? You know, they say that what, yeah. the, what the new handball rule we should clarify is that they don't want players making their body bigger with their hands. Mm. So you need to be aware and have your arms by your side, like a like no, no, a salmon, no, no. like a leaping let me, let me, salmon.
1: Rog, that is unnaturally bigger, and that's that's important because it means that if you are running, your right arm can be forwards if your left leg is forwards. You're allowed to be mm. naturally balanced.
2: yeah, uh, sorry, I should say. So blocking, you can't be in the act of you know, if you're running or you're not looking, then there is some leeway given. But if you're trying to block the ball, you can't make yourself bigger with your hands. Mm, but yeah. I think there has to be some common sense. And the Doherty one, you know, yes, his arms are by his side, but the ball is literally one meter away. Bobbles bounces up. He could not, you could replay that same incident, you know, a hundred times and he's not going to be able to move his hand out of the way. Does not mean it's, Is that – do we really want that to be a penalty? I I don't know. But I I just feel like that is a decision for the rulemakers of the game. It's not VAR. Now, there has just been the first – like the single biggest study of VAR that we've got to date that's that's just come out. So it's published in the Journal Sports Sciences. Um, Now, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, or maybe surprisingly if you read all the – you know pundits, pundits' gripes about it. Uh, the the level of accuracy. So they reviewed something like two thousand decisions across thirteen leagues and got a panel of refs to look at those and you know decide whether or not the right decision to be made. And they've determined that the accuracy of the decisions has gone up from ninety two percent to about ninety eight percent, which is so which is pretty bloody good. So I. I mean I whilst I'm not a fan VAR isn't going anywhere and I don't think we're too far away. I really like this year we're seeing the referees going to back to looking at things on the pitch. I think that's mm. really important and I think that becomes even more important when when fans are back in. But I just and I, I have faith that we can iron out these things, but I think I it's it it's
0: about ironing yeah, it's about ironing out yeah. those bits and bobs of the rules that just don't quite We've, we've kind of gone full blown this way, VAR's in, and now we need to just kind of make it right for the game without killing the game in the process.
2: But um, they, that's going to take time because we've never had oh yeah. VAR. So I feel like yeah. that that is a bit of trial and error in that, right?
0: Um, well, that was a good VAR five minutes. Rod. you said you had a couple of Man United questions before we move off Man United.
2: Yeah. So just, I mean, you you mentioned that the there's a bit going on and the team sort of seemed a bit muddled. Yeah. Mm. Um, now, I wonder how much does that worry you? And do, do, I mean, do you, is that acceptable from Solskjaer's point of view? So I think, you know, he started, for instance, with, um, it didn't start Wambusaka at right back. No, um, F- Mensah. Mensa and uh, Daniel James played on the right of midfield rather than Greenwood, um, which I think considerably weakened his starting lineup. Yeah. Mm. Um, and we saw Man United were on a roll, but you know, is I suppose it doesn't worry you? You think it's just, uh, you know, they're a no. bit tired, or is it that Solskjaer doesn't really know what his best team is? Like, because if that's a very long question. Well, that would worry me <laughs> if I was a uh, Man United um,
0: man. I'm not worried. Um, <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what the reason I'm not worried is Mason Greenwood has had his off the field incidents and he's only a kid. Um, I don't think we've finished signing players. We've had a short preseason. We've had the Harry Maguire thing. Um, Bruno Fernandes has a two-week-old child, so that always doesn't help things be easy. Uh, there's just lots of mitigating circumstances going on.
2: Yeah,
0: um, We always play badly against Crystal Palace. We lost them last year at Old Trafford. We'd lose to them regularly. It doesn't bother me at all. I think if we don't perform well against Brighton at the weekend, then I might start getting concerned. But one game, two games, not really bothered. It takes a while, so no.
1: But you know, it's it's not just against Brighton at the weekend. It's Brighton and Hove.
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so who's, who's under more pressure, Solskjaer or Lampard? Lampard. Solskjaer.
0: Oh, good answers. Oh, oh, oh. Um, let's move on to some of the other teams that have won two out of two I want to talk about Leicester because no one's talking about Leicester uh, they're top of the league um, on closely followed by Everton yeah.
2: um, didn't, one you, didn't one of you write them off this year as well had them be, as a big slider I'm sure me. that was one of you two. Me, yeah. Jeff's got them as a flop
0: um, but now they're ahead of Everton at the top of the league um, but they are winning uh, winning well they won 4-2 against Burnley um, they've the Castagne guy, the right back or left back, I'm not sure which side he plays, but he's looking really good. Tillemans playing, playing right well back good. at
2: the moment, but we'll probably... But he's left side. It, oh, yeah. yeah, he excellent. Um still haven't
0: got Pereira. Excellent. Um, Madison's still on his way back from injury. Vardy's 35 going on 11, so he just keeps scoring. Um, I think Leicester... Her- Harvey Barnes well. was
2: really good in this game.
0: Yeah, I just think they're a bit underrated. I think all of us, like I know Jeff said that they might have a bad season, but I think all of us underplayed actually how good they were. They had a weird post-COVID eight weeks, um, but maybe they're back up and running now.
1: Feels like they've got a bit of a point to prove. Uh, I think the fact that they were so easily discounted, and you're right, no one's talking about Leicester. Uh, Everyone's talking about the fact that no one's talking about Leicester. If you know what I mean, it's such a thing that it's almost great. It's no narrative that, that no one's talking about Leicester. And if you were a Leicester player, you'd be insulted by that. You know, if you, if you for those out there who support a lesser team and you constantly check Garth Crook's team of the week and you wonder why your players are never in it and it's full of Manchester <laughs> City players, that feeling must be the same feeling that the Leicester players have when they're seeing everyone's predictions. They, must, they yep. must look at those last two weeks before the season starts and goes. Why aren't we there? We were, Not we were one
0: person, but the top they were five saying we were
1: bloody title contenders. And why aren't we there? Why aren't we top four? Why aren't we top six? Why are we everyone like bloody Jeff here going, We're going to you know surprise <laughs> shit? So if you see that every week, you get the bit between your teeth. And I tell yeah, you, they certainly look like they've got the bit between their teeth.
2: And they've got, I still worry a bit about their squad depth, but they as we did last year and I think that's what found them out at the end but they have some very good players like you mentioned mm. Tielemans I think he was a great great signing I think he is a really good footballer um like he could play for any top four Anyone. team in the in the Premier League for me and and I think so far castagna has been a, a great signing fullbacks that we know are important to the way Leicester played. They got another rampaging fullback that can play on either flank for half the price that they sold yeah. Chilwell for, who hasn't yet played for the team that they sold him to. So so <laughs> far that one's looking pretty good.
0: <laughs> Very good. Um let's go on to another team that I've decided are the best worst team in the league and that's Arsenal. So they've won two out of two. But I, I don't think they've actually played well yet. They um beat West Ham um, was it two one?
2: Mm. Yeah, and yeah, goal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, and they didn't. Go on, Jeff. West Ham were good. Mm.
1: Remember, I'm going to. If this feels like another one of those seasons where every week I'm going to say a team's good as they lose, and eventually they'll get relegated and I'll look like a dickhead. But West Ham were good. They were good last week when they lost 2 0 against Newcastle, and they were good this week when they lost 2 1 against Arsenal. Their, the goal their right back scored was excellent, well created. <laughs> um, right back. Uh, they had a goal disallowed for offside. Uh, they could, if it was last year, they would have had a penalty if the rules weren't different. And Arsenal looked shaky. There, there were points in the first half where Arsenal played very well. But the rest, West Ham just absorbed pressure really, really well. Looked organised. I just think... The the more games you go by playing well and not getting any points at all, you're putting yourself in a position where you, when you play badly, you're still not going to get any points at all, and then your season's fucked. But would
2: you uh, criticize Moyes in this though? Because I mean, we they won 5 0 overnight in the cup, and Halle scored an, 5 1, sorry, um, against Hull, was it? Yeah, um. Uh, Haller scored another two. Yamalenko scored another two. So they've scored nine goals in two EFL Cup games with their star-studded second team. Now, <laughs> if I was going to be, I, I agree with you, Jeff. I think they were solid against Arsenal and they played well. And I wasn't particularly impressed with Arsenal for the second week in a row. But they got a win, so that's that's great for them. But I, West Ham lined up very defensively for this game, and I just wonder. I think if he, we saw Haller play last year, and he hasn't got great press, I thought he looked quite good when he did play. He's a busy boy. If he's, team. if he's scoring goals, I think you know, and to me, he's the kind of player that would have been a threat to Arsenal. So put put him in, you know, play him, and and I and I and I think they missed the trick by doing that. I don't think they can just rely on Antonio to have a whole season like he did post-COVID. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think that was a bit of an anomaly, but they have got they have got other players there that I think they need to use.
1: But they've been giving Jared Bowen a chance, and Jared Bowen looked excellent, in my opinion. Like For if, if such a young kid, who essentially he's a prospect, and again, when you look at the players like Lanzini and, and Hallow, who are sitting on the bench, and, and Jan Malenko, the, the fact that Bowen's getting a shot, I don't think that's anti Moise. I think that's pro Moise.
2: Um, Moyes, I'm not sure. I'm not completely no. sold on Bowen either. I don't no. think he's... Only I mean, Moyes tw- spent
0: twenty million on him.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, um, I, I rate
1: him. And I, I think that's... In my opinion, that is confidence by Moyes and, and not anything else. The fact that you can pick a kid like that over some of your star players is something that Moyes has never had a problem doing.
0: Um, on Arsenal, they won two out of two, beat West Ham just... just they beat Fulham in the first week, 3-0. We all watched that game and all went, hang on a sec. Why is everyone saying that Arsenal were brilliant? Because they weren't that good. Um, they play Arsenal at uh, Liverpool away <laughs> this week. I think this would be a real first test of how good are Arsenal. Are they actually any good? Because I'm convinced that the whole world's lying to us that Arsenal are any good. I don't think Arteta's very good. I just don't think they're... I think that there's... they will probably going go and win missing. now, John. Yeah, I don't no, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but does, does no one else think that Arsenal are a bit crap, but somehow luckily are winning? And maybe it's that we're playing badly and we're winning, so they're really great. But I just feel like there's something missing.
2: Yeah, small sample size. I mean, only two. I think Arsenal would absolutely take six points, having not played very well. And, and I would hope that Arteta's in there. Not blowing smoke up his players' are. So he's telling them, "Look, we've been a bit lucky. We haven't been great, uh, but we've got two wins on the board. Um, how no. how do we how do we improve? Because there's if I, there's no way they should be resting on their laurels. And, and I, I mean, I would expect Liverpool to win that win that game. You can't discount Arsenal because of the forward players they've got, but I just for, for me, they haven't solved their issues from last year in terms of midfield and. Defense, particularly yeah. midfield.
1: Do you know? I think this year it's almost worse for a team like Arsenal to play Liverpool because of Thiago. So what Thiago did in the second half of that Liverpool game—how good was he? It was yeah. insane, absolutely metronomic. Insane. If anyone's like a bit excited about Gareth Bale or Hamis three years or whatever, like Thiago is blowing them out of the water. He is a phenomenal <laughs> player, and he only played forty-five minutes of football. But I yeah. think if you're Arsenal and you have a player like Thiago pulling the strings, he can pick any pass he wants and everything goes back through him like a pivot point, which means that if you are Arsenal's back line that sometimes struggles for shape, he will just probe and probe and probe until he gets through. Uh, and Liverpool didn't have that last year. That They were a bit more back mm. to front. And because of that, uh, I think that Arsenal will really come up against it this week.
0: The last team that has uh, won two out of two that we haven't spoken about so far is a team called Everton or something. Oh. We're playing blue. Um, someone likes them. I think Jeff thinks they're quite good. But you won 5-2, Jeff. Um, and Dominic Calvert lewin scored possibly the worst hat-trick of all time.
1: No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> wait a minute,
1: let me do right. The first goal was it was a Excellent back heel. <laughs> Ex- <laughs> Yeah, it was quite Off good. his ass yeah. It, it, it was a classic back trick, wasn't it? Back heel, <laughs> back post, back.
2: <laughs> and then he Next. scored
0: off his shoulder.
1: Okay, yeah. Look, look, I'll, I'll, I don't know why I'm taking a kick in here. Whenever and win five two, I, I I think um it's for Everton not to play well and score five goals is quite a feat. Obviously, Yeri Mina was an absolute clusterfuck in this game. But, you know, James Rodriguez was amazing. Do you see that stat this week about his sprints?
2: Zero. As in zero.
1: (laughs) Zero. Actually zero. So, of Everton's front three, so Richarlison, Rodriguez, and um, Calvert-Lewin. Rodriguez had 68 touches, 47 passes, and zero sprints. Richarlison had 15. Calvert-Lewin had 13. They're about average. Zero, literally zero. So when I talk about Tiago and everything going through him, you know, Hammers just does exactly the same thing. Just just waits to receive the ball, has so much time, gives himself so much time with the way he he kind of caresses a football. It's absolutely brilliant to watch. Even as it's a new ball, you've got to be enjoying it.
0: Oh uh, no, yeah, it's good to watch, but it's great when you're winning. That game was very close to being Westbourne were brilliant in the first half. Jeff and I watched yeah, this game together. Um, West Palm were brilliant Deagana's and they goal was great. Dear Garner's goal was excellent. The free kick was excellent. They ran through your midfield quite easily a few times in the first half. Um, and if Kieran Gibbs hadn't been an idiot and got sent off and then Billich had an argument and that all went wrong. So he got sent off as well. It was quite feasible that you'd be down at halftime or level. And it was 11 against 11. If you end up losing that game three, two, and it's 11 against 11, and then the stat comes out that Hamez has done zero sprints. Mm. We're looking at this as a whole different way. You're going, oh, we're paying this guy all this money. He doesn't do any sprints and all this thing. So it's a very, very fine line, in my opinion, of how that looks brilliant versus how that could look real crap.
1: But say that to Perlo. I get your point, but say that to Perlo. Like he's like, why would you yeah. sprint when you got it in your mind? You, you shouldn't and have I, to run. That's his that logic. And there if are players, run, yeah, and there, your position's wrong.
2: And I think there are players that are good enough with one skill set that they have that you you don't need them to do everything. And I think with a player like Hammers, I honest, I think Everton do have that. You know, they just need to make sure that he's got the other players around him to cover his deficiencies. But I just, you haven't had a player like him for, I don't know, Jeff, maybe maybe never, but he is great. His vision and his range of passing is brilliant and he doesn't necessarily need to run a lot to do that. Like his and and if 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 you go well and teams sit back, that almost becomes more important, right? Because he breaks it down. Like his ball over the top for so for Calvert Lewin's last goal, um, his pass over the top for Richarlison, the scoop, yeah, is yeah. so good. Like that is so hard to do. And, I, I, you know, just the way he he knocks the ball about, I I really enjoyed it. But, John, I I do – I agree with you. I think there's – the narrative's very different if they lose that game.
1: There was also a a face that both John and I made simultaneously when he played a through ball through to Richarlison in the first half. that didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. It went out for a corner. But it was a pass that I just – couldn't see the way he threaded it through was absolutely outrageous so he's, he's a he's a top draw player um i don't want to talk too much about evan apart from they need a new center back yeri mina was a
0: disaster yeah true let's move on to the teams that have lost two from two um and the first team i want to go to is southampton because they lost uh five two to spurs somehow while still playing quite well um but we got an email from nil over the week um asking us about Mourinho. Because we spoke about Mourinho last week and about the All or Nothing um, documentary on Amazon. So Newell says this. I'm going to slightly disagree with you guys, having watched the Tottenham All or Nothing documentary. Mourinho is not depressing. He's just a dinosaur. It's not his game plan. He talks risks, modding, play and attacking. It's his old style man management that's the issue. Um, he's, I've watched the Sunderland and Collingwood docos as well. Mourinho's issue is that he's a sweary old-style manager, and these players have developed under modern managers. He basically kills the positive environment that they have developed in. Watch for players wincing as Mourinho uses the c-word. It's not his game plan. It's his past. It is. It's he who has passed his use by date. So basically, saying he's got a good tactical nous, but he's a prick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've got to just agree with him. Yeah, like, I I agree with that. I, I don't think, I mean it's it's hard with Mourinho, is it? He obviously knows what he's doing. He knows more about football than we do. He, that's that's a fact. He's very good at it. He is also a prick, and there are players just like Newell mentions that do not react well to 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 having a prick as a boss. And the more the world changes, the fewer and fewer players there will be left who will accept being treated at work. Like they're being treated by their boss, who is Jose Mourinho. You just don't accept yep. it. the The, the power the power these days is with the employee, whether that's a football club or a, or a big business. It makes no difference if you're being treated like a cunt, you're gonna you're gonna say something, and that is not the way it was thirty years ago when he was studying under Bobby Robson, not the way it goes was 20 years ago when he was um, you know, at Porto, just starting out at Porto, I mean from Porto to Chelsea. Mm. You could be who you wanted to be because these guys were lucky to play football. They were privileged and you could do whatever you want with them because they wouldn't risk their career. Right now, he can do what he wants to Delhi Ali. Deli Ali won't go, well, I quit football forever. He's going to go, I'm going to move to PSG where someone's going to treat yeah. me like a hero. No, I'm going to talk to my Instagram followers where I feel good about myself. You know, so... It, Neil's absolutely spot on the world has moved past managers like Mourinho that doesn't take away from his absolute tactical class he knows what he's doing but can he get a tune out of young players I'm just not sure
2: and I don't know I mean I think the game has changed but it's you know and whether or not his tactics do hold up hold up now but I think it's interesting you say that Jeff as well because I watched this when watching this game like this is Mourinho's wet dream of a performance in <laughs> it the, really is. W- we, we, we talk about Mourinho being all about the transition you know and it's not so much a dominant play it's just in a moment a player makes the right decision and that leads to a goal And that essentially happened five times, and they scored five goals. Mm, Like, I think what what, what, did they have? Five, five shots on target. I think, and five goals. But Southampton
0: did play. They play with such a high line; it's the perfect way to lose to a Mourinho team. It's so high up, and I get why they do it, and good on them for having a style. But against Spurs,
2: I just saw the the high line. I don't get it.
1: I'm with and It's not just the high line; it's the fact that both their centre backs are high and not. And they never split apart. So when you're going to play a high line, if you feel that there is that you're going to get exposed or a team is going to play against you, you don't have to stop playing a high line to defend yourself against it. All you have to do is nominate a, nominate a centre-back to stay on that high line, nominate a centre-back to be the one that drops off. Mm. So you go from being flat you know, with your shoulders shoulders flat looking forwards to being on an angle. So one of you goes forward and one of you pulls backwards. Mm. That is how you stop Harry Kane threading through balls to Sun. You just don't be flat. So when you play four at the back and you play high, you make sure one of your centre-backs is the one that drops back and they know what they're doing when you're under threat. Southampton played high and flat and didn't do any of that.
2: (laughs) So So I'm with you... I mean, I, I thought Southampton were really unlucky, John. Mm, I watched this I game and one. I I haven't gone off Southampton. I thought a lot of their football was really good. I think um, uh, there was a moment when they were, I can't remember whether it was a 1-0, I think it was one all. Shea Adams had a good chance on the edge of the box um, yeah. and he, he made a really good connection but hit it straight at the um, Maurice saved it, yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden that goes in and, it, and the game has a different complexion. But I think what this game showed is that maybe sometimes it's not just about the tactics that a team plays. If you've got really good players, <laughs> uh, you can win games of football. And Harry Kane's, um, you, you know, you talked about Sun Jeff, and I mean, I like Sun scoring just because I like his happiness. Yeah, I didn't brilliant. think any of the finishes were particularly amazing. Like they were all very proficient, but for me, the artistry in 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 Sun's goals were the it's passes it's, from, yeah. from Harry Kane. Oh, like there's a couple the of the reverse passes they've played. And I'm just, you know, bringing that to his game. And that gives me a lot of um, – makes me excited for England, you know, because I think of some of the players <laughs> playing around him and the runs that they can make. And if he can drop back a bit and play some of those passes, add that to his game, then that's great. Because you don't necessarily think of Harry Kane doing that stuff.
0: Do you think his best role is number 10? No, I think it's number nine, a a bit of a fake number nine, a bit of a Firmino (laughs) drops off a little bit. Um, And it also worries me a little bit that if you add Gareth Bale to Son, so they're both six foot two and run 100 metres in 11 seconds. And then you chuck Carrie Kane in the middle, six foot three and can finish and play through balls. You suddenly got the perfect Mourinho front three, haven't you? Because you just go six defenders or seven defenders and then you two, uh, you three, go. It's it's strange because I
1: wonder what's I wonder what's going to happen with Harry Kane because I would say that this performance really does open up a, an avenue for him to play not the centre forward, you know. And we've it's you know it's broken record stuff talking about Spurs buying a striker. Will they? Oh, is anyone going to come and play second fiddle to Harry Kane? No one will do it if you're that kind of player. You shouldn't be playing centre forward anyway. You know, it's all this nonsense that's just been piss farted around for the last seven years, and actually. Hmm. What happens if Harry Kane just drops into a number 10 and he has two wingers next to him that overlap endlessly, as you say, John, like Son and Gareth Bale? But they're essentially the two centre-forwards. They're they're playing two up front with Son and Gareth Bale and and Harry Kane's part of a three that drops in behind them. It's a a kind of very high number 10. I think Harry Kane's got the ability to make that work.
0: I think he'll do that from
1: number nine. Yeah, Will will Harry Kane as a centre-forward be able to stomach that? I'm not. I'm not
0: sure.
1: And I think
0: he'll goal. still score? Sorry, I said. think wrong? he'll still score goals from that position? Yeah, I think he still he'll got his goal. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, I still think he'll score thirty a season.
2: And I wonder if I can't help but wonder if Bale might be the backup to Kane in a way because I've just got some concerns about whether he's going to get fit enough to, you know, play every week, and I think he might start quite a lot on the bench, and he might almost be the. You know, the, the, the backup, backup, if you like. Mm. Yeah. Let's go
0: on to a couple of uh, quickly through some other teams that have lost two out of two. Fulham have lost two out of two. Uh, they lost four three to Leeds. In, I mean, Leeds are fun to watch. Uh, they played <laughs> Sheffield. <laughs> like, brilliant. Two games, fourteen goals. Um, they play Sheffield United at 9pm Australian time on Sunday evening. So I am watching that 100% because Leeds look great. Can I just say
1: that Fulham have conceded seven goals this season mm. and Leeds have conceded seven goals this season. And we're saying <laughs> Leeds are fun to watch and they're doing all right and Fulham are crap.
0: <laughs> that, that's very fair point.
2: Anyway, that's all right. i got. I, uh this game Leeds were the dominant team in this game though like it, it wasn't really a 4-3 but Mitrovic uh bullied Leeds a bit in the second half and scored a couple of goals and as you said John I think you know 50, if he scores, he scores 20, scores 20 goals Fulham are a decent shout and he was he was hungry this game and he mm. you know he, Leeds couldn't defend him
1: Can I just pay quick homage to um Scott Parker's suit. He's,
0: he's a very suave little man. He
1: is a suave little man, but he has you his like very, his
2: tie clip. Do
1: you? Well, I just think he's got a, he's got such a big, strange head that it's, <laughs> it's like watching a, a rugby has he got a with, pea head? You know those tuxedo shirts. You know, like, you know, when you're out going out getting Do you mean
0: busy. the t-shirt that has a tuxedo yeah,
1: print on it? The print on it. He looks like a bloke with a giant head in a tuxedo shirt who's just won
2: the lottery. <laughs>
0: Roger's now Googling
2: uh, Scott Parker's I can't head size. picture his, I thought he had a small head. <laughs> no, I'm he's got a up. big, big,
1: solid cheek, chin.
2: Combo. It might just be because everybody has a small head compared to my, um, <laughs> monstrosity.
1: A like a melon on a toothpick.
0: Oh, I mean, <laughs> the, um, I'm not sure about toothpick. Um, <laughs> the other thing... <laughs> <laughs> the, um... The other team that have lost two out of two is Sheffield United, who leads play next week. Um, or three. And, well, I, I really hope so because I'm gonna watch it. But Sheffield United, have, have they gone? I said it week one, and now I'll say it week two. Have they gone second season syndrome, full blown? It's all going wrong, everyone knows how to play against Sheffield United. They lost one nil to Villa. Um, they were unlucky because they had a weird sending off John Egan was sent off pretty early on for a very innocuous through on goal uh, he brought him down but he just brushed his arm basically really um,
1: horrible sending off this I really don't like this one at all and I don't think did you do
2: think it you know was 50-50? I I like in th- terms of the um, who's the guy Is the, the guy from Brentford um, Ollie Watkins ollie watkins who i should say um have no doubt about it having watched him in the championship is a diver and a serial (laughs) diver i'm not pulling any punches here but i've seen him do it a lot in the championship but i i don't know with this one i watched it quite a few times because i wanted to hate it but at the same time i kind of feel like i think there's a little bit more in it from egan than there is from watkins and if he has pulled him back then he's through on goal and he's denied a clear goal-scoring opportunity and therefore it's a sending-off. So it's a bit of a weird one, but maybe it is a sending-off. There's
0: a lot of grappling going on. And uh, mm. they're kind of all pulling at each other and trying and going yeah. for it. And there's a lot of grappling. And if it was anywhere else on the pitch, the ball just kind of carries on and no one says anything. I think because he's on goal, um, it becomes a thing. But I just don't think it's a red card incident. Mm. But I know I'd the give ruler, a yellow. Yeah, yeah. I, but the rule is if it's a goal scoring opportunity, it's a red. But
1: yeah, I, I'm with you, John. I just think it's horrible.
0: Um, now, I'm going to quickly mention this before we go on to side stories. Brighton won 3 0 against Newcastle, and Tarek Lamperty is now the best right back in England, apart from Trent Alexander Arnold, Wamba Sacker, Carl Walker, Kieran Trippeter. We've got so many right backs.
2: Why? Why do we have so many? <laughs> I don't know. Daniel uh, Reese James at Chelsea James. as well scored yep. a cracker last week. Like it's cr- it's ridiculous.
0: But Lamperty was amazing for Brighton, um, and he's come up on Facebook a few times. People have mentioned him, and I'm really frustrated because I had him second on my list to put as my uh, surprise player <laughs> in the year, and I went for Ethan Ampadu instead. Who did
2: a right? Though weekend but well, he, uh, he, f- he finished last year very well mm. um he sort of came in post uh lockdown yeah, um, had him on, had him on loan. yeah yeah um and he so he he had a very good end of last year and he's just carried that on but you're right he's like he's playing wing back but he's kind of he looks like a right back who's a winger if that makes like he can yeah. he can really run with the ball um and I, I haven't I haven't seen that much of him, if I'm honest. But I thought he looked awesome, like a real threat going forward. Yeah, I thought he was excellent.
0: Um, let's move on to side stories. Does anyone have any side stories? I guess we do need to mention—is this pandemic or something? Something to do with like someone, some people oh, get sick. It's, it's
1: going to be hard because if we talk about this today, by the time next week happens, everything will have changed. But I think just as a as a quick roundup, David Moyes has coronavirus. Two West Ham players has have coronavirus. There. Carabao Cup still, is it? Carabao Cup? Yep, Carabao yep. Cup game got called off. Um, non-league football are, waiting, are awaiting a decision of whether they're even going to start their league because the government has put new restrictions in place that says they're pausing the um, the welcoming back of fans into football stadiums, which, by the way, is the right decision. England, wake up, it's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Make, make some choices based on fact. Um, yeah it's terrible for football but that should be a minor concern of what's going on over there the
0: um late in Orient Spurs game got called off last night as well for the same reason
1: yeah exactly right and we, and we're seeing um echoes of this problem. Become material up and down the footballing league. So, we're going to see yeah. more after the decision made two days ago. We're going to see more and more clubs come out and say, We just can't accept this anymore. We can't do this anymore. And we can't absorb the costs anymore. So, yeah. I, I struggle to give too much of a detailed update today because let's just wait till next week.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's just, um, I wanted to talk about it because it's going to happen. My genuine fear is that within a month, we're not going to be watching Premier League football. Um, because the current rate it's going in the UK it's just going to get completely out of control. Um, But also in the next month, we're going to see a lot of football league and non-league clubs fold. Um, The government have come out with a little bit of a promise of maybe helping sport a little bit in the UK and putting a bit of funding into clubs. But what they're talking about doesn't sound enough or sound like it's actually going to do anything. Why don't you uh,
1: maybe help the NHS first?
0: My note, oh god, yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, sorry.
0: Um, does anyone ever any happier side stories? Rod, <laughs> yeah, do you know you yeah do? I've
2: got, uh, well, I've got a, uh, um, just uh, happy, it's just, uh, we can revel in uh, the governing body of football in Australia doing things badly continually. Oh, great, um, <laughs> the. Matilda's. Um, oh, God. I've uh, this. Did you see this? <laughs> yeah. Their new kit's just come out. and uh, But unfortunately, their replica away kit doesn't come in female sizes. So it won't be available until 2022. Uh, just, they, they have like, come, come out come, today. come on, and, guys. They
0: have come out today and said, oh, we're sorry. We'll get it out sooner. <laughs> <laughs> it's just
2: 22. so it's ridiculous.
1: Did you hear about Suarez this week? So, you know Suarez was going to move to Inter, right? He terminated his contract at Barcelona. Juve. As as the, yeah. Sorry, Juve. Um, in order to be able to play in Italy, he had to claim Italian citizenship. Yes. Right. So, he did the citizenship test. Passed it with flying colours. Rig. Uh, in order to do the Italian citizenship test, you have to take an Italian exam. You have to be able to speak Italian. <laughs> no it's come out a few days after he did this test the Suarez can't speak Italian <laughs> in fact the, the quote is he does not speak a word of Italian he does not conjugate <laughs> verbs if journalists ask him some questions he'd be lost he earns 10 million euros a year he needs to pass this exam it's come out that someone leaked him the questions for the Italian <laughs> citizenship exam before he took it so he could sign for Juve and someone's come out and gone I mean, just speak to him if you want to know. <laughs> can <speak> to him <laughs> yeah. Ask him a question. Like, are you kidding me? But this has all put his um move to Juve in jeopardy and he's now going to sign for Atletico Madrid.
0: Which means Atletico Madrid will have Diego Costa and Luis Suarez up front, oh. like the ultimate shit houses. With a with lot Sibio, of shit houses yeah.
1: telling them what to do.
0: Yeah, it's going to be gross. Um, i got a side story actually from Chris on Facebook about Omar and the Ass, oh, um, old friend of the shed and still Everton. No player. Locker. Um, well, it's about No Locker. So he's come out and explained how Kuman treated him um, during his time at Everton. And it's basically workplace bullying. It's really horrible. He's like, we don't talk to you. We don't eat with you. You don't have a locker. Go away. And he's come out and said how Gosh. he felt just completely ostracized. Um, and throughout it, he was just like, no, I've just got to be humble and get on with my work and I'll do my thing. But he said it completely killed his confidence and he felt horrible. John,
1: we reported on this at the time. Do you remember? We, we we spent a good half an hour talking about his his backstory. Uh, going, mm. oh, he's come out and he's. You remember he got he's got told to train with the under twenty ones. They took his locker away. He had to put his bag on the floor. He couldn't eat with them. He couldn't talk to them. Cooman said, "You're not very good. You will not play for this football club again." If, it was the quote he came out in the press. If the boy likes to play football, he shouldn't be at Everton.
2: What was the yeah. rationale for this? By the, like, why oh, was he so The trigger point
1: was an away preseason game in Austria. Now, from an observer's point of view, all I saw was him miss a real open goal, which was his Mm. chance. However, something happened on that preseason trip in Austria because he came back and he wasn't getting anywhere near the side. And do you remember there was a striker shortage uh, maybe a year later, 12 months later, 16 months later, where he came back because there was nothing else I could do. And he scored a goal as a sub. And then That's he right. was the next game, and he scored another goal. I remember because it's, at the time, Sportsbet wouldn't even let me put money on him because he wasn't included in the squad <laughs> on Sportsbet. He was so outraged at the court, And I'm like, no, he's definitely going to score again. And he fucking scored again. Couldn't believe it. But uh, this is the point where the stories came out about, well, where has he been? And um, so, yeah, the last week he did an interview and just laid it on the line after Cumin's obviously got the Barcelona job. Cumin's a prick. No, there's no yep. there's no two ways about it. And we're seeing this happen at Barcelona. It's going to be a strange old time at that club.
0: And he might be signing Max Aaron's from Norwich
2: for 20 oh. mil. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, let's go on to end game. So, Jeff, are you ready? You won last week. So the scores are Jeff won, Rog won, me zero. And I need to win to get back in this. Roger you just moved your camera a lot. So now we can't see your face at all. And then you showed us your crotch for a little bit, which was great. <laughs> okay, so. It's
2: all part this, of my tactics, John. Are you guys
1: ready? So pay attention. Pay attention, everyone. Yep, ready. Roger and John, I'm talking to you. Pay attention. Okay, right. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, good. Yeah. Ready. Right. It was a pretty exciting weekend in the Premier League this season. This weekend. I had, I, had, I had a thoroughly. so I thought of the last time I had, I could remember Fine. a really exciting weekend in the Premier League. <laughs> So I have chosen Manchester United 5, West Brom 5.
2: Oh, West Brom. West Brom scored five goals?
1: This was the last game of the
2: season. Fergie's last ever game. Exactly
0: right.
1: 19th of May, 2013. Alex Ferguson was the manager of Manchester United and Steve Clark was the manager of West Brom. 2013, Fergie's last game. Now, I've, I've actually got a web link open that's got where the players play, for, play now, which makes this a really, really interesting screen to look at. But anyway, um, score was 5 5 2013. Are you ready? Who yep. won last week? Me. Who lost last week? Roger. So, Roger, your turn first.
2: No, ro- uh, no I was not? Quizmaster last week.
1: Oh, John, you lost. Roger, your turn first.
2: <laughs> uh, Robbie Van Persie.
1: Correct. Robin Fan Persie scored a goal.
2: Romelu
0: Lukaku.
1: Oh, he came off the bench and scored three goals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> 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 you got to go again, John. He was a sub.
0: Oh, because he, oh, he came off the bench? Yeah. Oh, of course. David De Gea.
1: Oh Johnny was on the bench. Didn't play this game.
2: <sighs> Second life. Uh me? Yeah, yeah, Rog. Um Chris Brunt. Chris Brunt, captain. Of course he was, Roger. <laughs> well done.
0: <laughs> um Johnny Evans.
1: Johnny Evans played centre back. Fletcher. Hmm. There is no Fletcher. It's one watch
0: Yes. Um. Chris Smalling. No, John. No, Chris Smalling. Roger is the winner. No,
1: no, no. no, no I I've, I've gotta got, got to get. One. One. Oh, yeah, got I got got to get one right. Oh, I took such a oh. in that. Did you hear me revel? Oh no, do oh, I yeah. have to
2: get one right because I I'm first? Didn't I? No, I went no, first. You don't. No, oh, no, Rod.
1: Who first. You, you, there's, there's revelling. I'm going to revel. Yes! Oh. Okay, I'm lost so.
2: Again. Go on,
1: Jess. So, strange old team. So the Manchester United Carrick. team. Carrick? Game's over, Roger. You should have oh. said Carrick. Uh, in goal, you had Andreas Lindegaard,
2: Oh, Jesus. Phil,
1: yeah, I know. Phil Jones, Johnny Evans, what? Antonio Valencia, and Alexander Butner. He scored oh, yeah. a goal.
0: Yeah, um, he's Dutch left back.
1: <laughs> playing at the midfield Anderson Chikorito Michael Carrick Tom Cleverley and Shinji Kagawa up front Robbie no. Van Persie
2: that's such a crap team it's I cannot so believe that you won the league that year but do you know, do you know who you had on the bench
1: and this is just like sickening John that you could use these players on your bench David De Gea, Patrice Evra Rio Ferdinand Nemanja Vidic Ryan Giggs Paul Scholes and Yana <laughs>
0: Well, I remember this game because yeah. it was his last ever game he was just like everyone go have fun don't care yeah. we've won the yeah. league just Amazing. enjoy it
1: um, um, for the West Brom side Ben Foster uh, Jonas Olsen Liam Ridgewell um, but Billy Joe oh, I ha-
2: had Macaulay on my list he's another West Brom stalwart <laughs>
1: um, Claudio Yacoub uh, oh, James yeah. Morrison Chris Brunt obviously Graham Dorans Malumba, do you remember Malu oh sorry, yep. do you remember Malumba? Patrice And up front, Shane Long.
2: <sighs> oh yes,
0: <laughs> and then Lukaku came on for him.
1: Lukaku came Did- on to score three goals.
0: I can't believe I've lost two now. It's awful.
2: I can't. Well. Can well,
0: so that predict- means uh, Roger's on two points, Jeff you're on one and I'm on zero. Rubbish. Um does everyone anyone have anything before we go?
2: No
1: great to be back in the shed no. i hope you're wrong about the premier league john i hope it stays forever and we can all watch
0: football and be happy i would very much like to be wrong um thanks for listening everyone we will be back next week hopefully lots of football to watch um and talk about don't forget everyone, to get in contact ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something just find us on facebook um and search football shed or shoot sh- shoot us i can't say shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com thanks everybody bye-bye see ya See ya. Bye.